Uh, let's welcome Pastor Dan this morning as he wraps up our series of Jesus Life Refresh. Yeah, it's good to see you today. Thank you. Wow. You guys are wonderful saints. Wow. Can I just stare, sit, stand here and stare at you for a while? This is great. I want to welcome everybody from home, too. Glad you're joining us as well. So it's at the soul count. We had 10 more yesterday, so now it's 46. We had a super soul winning Saturday, yesterday. I love the stories that come back from the street. Chris Milan was sharing something that happened with his team yesterday. He approached a fellow young guy and said, uh, has anybody ever told you Jesus loves you, has a great plan for your life? And the guy said, yeah, my daughter said that this morning. She asked, my daughter just asked me that this morning, man. And um, so Chris proceeded to lead the guy to Christ and he prayed the sinner's prayer right, right there on the street. It was beautiful. And he said he, he had said he'd already been planning to go to church tomorrow with his daughter. So it's like God, God's set up. We get to be a part of the whole salvation experience that this guy's had with his family already and we get to be a part of that. It's just great. And he, they also prayed for the guy for a kidney stone, and the pain completely left right there on the spot, which is just beautiful. I love stories like that. So I want to share something that made me chuckle recently. A man is in bed with his wife. When he hears a knock at the door, he rolls over and looks at the clock. It's 3 a.m. I'm not getting out of bed this time, he thinks, and he rolls over, and then the knock um, gets louder. Aren't you going to answer that, says his wife? So he drags himself out of bed, goes downstairs, he opens the door, and there's a man standing at the door. It didn't take the homeowner long to realize the man was so drunk. Hi there, slurs the man. Can you give me a push? No. Get lost. It's 3 a.m. I was in bed, says the man, and he slams the door. He goes back to bed and tells his wife what happened, and she says, Dave... That wasn't very nice of you. Remember that night we broke down in the pouring rain and on the way to pick the kids up from the babysitter and you had to knock on that man's door to, to, to get started again? What would have happened if he told you to get lost? But the guy was drunk, says the husband. Doesn't matter, says the wife. He needs our help and it would be the Christian thing to do to help him. So the husband gets out of bed again and gets dressed and Goes downstairs, he opens the door, and not being able to see the stranger anywhere, he shouts, hey, do you still want to push? And he hears a voice cry out, yes, 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 please. So still being unable to see the stranger, he shouts, well, where are you? And the, st and the stranger replies, I'm over here on your swing. <laughs> yeah, I like that one too. Strange things happen. <laughs> well, this is the 11th talk on our Jesus Life Refresh 2024, and we've had a good time with different messages that we can ask ourselves, what's the Holy Spirit saying to the church? And at a time when all of us are seeking God, beginning of a new year, what special thing are you, are you wanting me to adjust or focus in my life? It's very common thing to do, uh, New Year's resolution in God, what, what are you saying to me? How, what adjustments should I be making in my life? 
And we've had 10 sermons to kind of help with that. What we see, our, our preaching team has felt like what God is, is wanting to say to us. Um, I, I started the series with God, feeling like God wanted us to savor our salvation, not neglect such a great salvation, but savor it. And, and then I had also talked a few weeks ago about relating to people with laughter, with love, acceptance, forgiveness, faith, and focus being key uh, dynamics for relating to people in a way that releases life to us and to them. Jeff uh, McCracken from Rainier talked about the fivefold ministry and especially the role of the prophetic in ministering to church life. It's a profound message. And Mary Vaughn, the questions of Jesus, confronting us with Jesus and his, and his questions that he has in the Bible. What, what are our answers to his questions? Particularly, who, who do you say that I am? David Mickelson, keeping a tender heart before God. It's an important today message. Jeremiah, how to, how to have a fresh start with Jesus, how to recalibrate our relationship with Jesus. Really excellent talk from Jer on that. Miguel Zayas, the wonder-working power of the blood. Beautiful, beautiful talk. Expecting in faith signs and wonders to flow from the cross of Jesus to us. And Richard Larkin, that excellent teaching last week about the rich young ruler and abandoning self-sufficiency and finding our ultimate happiness in God alone. That's a very impacting, memorable message that continues to speak to, to us through the days after he talked on that. And I want to conclude the, the series with a talk this morning called Hunger for God's Voice. And basically, I wanted to... Uh, to uh, Felt like I was I was not really finished. There was more that God wanted to emphasize. The Spirit wanted to emphasize about Mary. We talked about Mary uh, treasuring uh, treasuring the things that that uh, um, God had done uh, when the baby Jesus was born, and the, and the shepherds saw the angels, heard the voice, came and and saw baby Jesus and told the story of what the angels had said. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior is Christ the Lord. And says it, and that line, but Mary kept all these things in her and treasured them in her heart. She treasured all these things in her heart. And the word, the Greek is, she treasured, she savored, she meditated upon, she, she fed on what the, the remata, the, the fresh word, the events that the angels had given the shepherds and, and they, were, they were words from God, fresh words from God that Mary treasured and meditated on, thought on. And, you know, if someone could, those of you that are having a, a visit in the lobby, if I could trouble you to either whisper or come in and listen to the message or listen to it there, that'd be way better than just talking to your friend loud, okay? <laughs> Mr. Mickelson, the school teacher, coming right in there. Yes. My first talking point today is that Mary had an ongoing hunger for God's voice. That just wasn't a, a thing that happened in Bethlehem. She had an ongoing, that, she, uh, I'm going to read the, uh, a story that happened 12 years later. It's kind of like the movie 
uh, when you watch a movie and it says, 12 years later, <laughs> here's what happened 12 years later. Jesus is 12 years old. Kind of lengthy, so listen carefully. Luke 2, 41 and following. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the, of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his, Mary, and his mother, Joseph and his, and his mother did not know it, but supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among the, their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. I don't think he was asking them for information. I think he was asking them questions about their lives. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand that, the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But this phrase again, the exact same phrase in the Greek that we, that we read when the shepherds visited Mary. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. His mother treasured, savored, meditated upon, reveled in, all these remata, these rema, fresh words from God. She recognized, and in this moment, God was saying something to her. In the midst of a trying, difficult experience, God was speaking. I want to tell you this morning, if you have ears to hear, in the most difficult, troubled experience you've had in your life, or in any minor annoyance you have in your life, then there is the possibility of you turning to your spirit, turning to the Father, turning to the Son, turning to the Holy Spirit, and getting a fresh word that even is more powerful than ever against a backdrop of having a difficult time you're going through. It is air to breathe. God designed us to hear his voice. And no matter what might be going on, good or bad in our life, he's designed us to, what's the word say? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And I want to submit to you this reality that you, you and me, no less than the apostles, the disciples that walked and lived with Jesus and conversed with him every day for three years, you hear his voice just as clear and with just as much potency and power and just as much impact and meaning as they did. The voice is a whisper. We sang that today. Sometimes it's a, it's a majestic whisper. But once you taste and see that the Lord is good, I've noticed with good food that the best way to increase your appetite for something is just to have a taste. Have you noticed that? And I want to tell you, once you start having the habit of tasting the word of God, tasting the refreshing, fresh word of God, You can never go back because God designed us. He created us. There's that within us that only answers to his voice. 
And if we aren't hearing his voice, if we're, or if we are resisting his voice, like the children of Israel did under trial in the, in the desert, they resisted his voice, then everything goes south. Not the least of which there's that inner emptiness, part and parcel of the great fulfillment, the great satisfaction, the great deep meaning in life that only relationship with God through Jesus Christ can give, and he does give it so profoundly to us. Part and parcel of that is, the, is that he's a communicating God. Remember in 1 Corinthians where the word says, you guys used to serve dumb idols, but now you serve a God who talks. Dumb not as in low intelligence, although they don't have any intelligence because there's a wood. But dumb is in they don't speak. But that, there's that within us that longs for communication, that desires it. And once we have that communication going with God, we just want more and more of it. It pulls us into him. And I think that's why Jesus in John 1 is called the word. Jesus himself is the word. There's something about what God is saying to the world. It's not complicated. And if you want to know what is on someone's mind, you listen to their voice. If you want to know what's on God's mind and communicating to the human race, he's saying Jesus. He's saying Jesus. And he's not just information about Jesus. He's speaking Jesus to us relationally. I'm going to need somebody to go ask the people in the lobby area to, to not... Take it outside or talk more quietly, please. Or I'm going to have them write sentences after school. (laughs) Mary had an ongoing hunger for God. It was a habit for her. We saw it earlier where in the Magnificat, Mary's song, when being with child, she goes and visits her cousin Liz. And... And in the Spirit of God comes upon Mary, and she prophesies. And she, she basically is praising God for all the circumstantial blessings of her life personally. But then the last part of that song, she morphs into this celebration of, the, of the, some Old Testament scriptures that have become rhema words to her. They're alive to her. And I want to submit to you my great joy this morning in the confidence I have that preaching changes lives. Whatever we preach, what our preaching team preaches, that's what we get in the the culture, the atmosphere and environment of of our church family. And I'm happy to, happy to tell you today that the stirring up of desire for the Logos word of God, the written word of God, the apostolic teaching of the New Testament, that Jesus refers to when he says, if they don't hear you, that is the teaching of the New Testament, they don't hear me. And if they don't hear me, they don't hear the Father. What's that saying? 
If we do saturate our minds, if we, had, if we do habitually allow the written word of God or, the, or listening to it audio as I do, letting that word permeate our soul, that out of that, when we face a difficulty, we face a problem, we face a need for a decision, the Holy Spirit brings back to our remembrance the word that has, is permeating our existence and it becomes a sword of the Spirit that we can use in any moment of need. And I want to tell you, we are a people of the book. And what I mean by that isn't, isn't the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So don't go there with this. We're not talking about trying to be more and more religious. We're talking about recognizing the supernatural power of the revelation of God, the author of a book. And as we saturate ourselves with the apostolic teaching of the New Testament, Matthew through Revelation, and as we read the Old Testament, which is also good news, through the eyeglasses of the New Testament, then it becomes alive to us too. And I want to give you this little bit of advice for how I, how I handle the difficult passages of the Old Testament, the tough ones. You and, I, you and I know that if you just read the New, Old Testament without the New Testament, that you have a distorted image of God. Yes. You know, my focus on the Old Testament are the passages... I pay special attention to the passages that the New Testament refers to and elucidates and illustrates and clarifies. And then secondly, and the New Testament is full of Old Testament stuff. There's a lot of promise in the Old Testament. But I also am cognizant of the reality that Jesus said to the religious leaders of his day, you guys search the scriptures, Old Testament, because you think and then that you, you have life. But it's the Old Testament that speaks of me. So I always read the Old Testament through the eyeglasses of New Testament. And I always read through the eyeglasses. One lens is the New Testament teaching. The other lens is just Jesus. Just Jesus. And I want to tell you what I do with the with the Old Testament passages that are, are difficult. I, I relegate them to mystery. And I just slip past them and just keep reading. I don't get stuck on them. My, great, my, my grandfather on my mom's side got stuck on the, on the difficult passage of the Old Testament and it threw him off for decades. He came back full on Jesus person in his last years but he lost lots of time because he got jammed up by the Old Testament passages that were difficult. The New Testament focuses the best of the Old Testament. It's all the word of God, Old Testament and New, but there's some stuff we just don't understand and we just need to slip past it. Okay? So just put the Holy Spirit on. It's like oil. Just slip right past it. That's just... That's just some advice I want to throw out there.
Martin Luther in the Reformation said the whole Bible can be divided into two parts, promise and, and commands. And I kind of like that. I, I kind of like, don't you, what Peter the Apostle says in 2 Peter chapter 1, that, he, that God has given us these precious, precious promises. And as we partake and meditate on, hunger for, feed on, satisfy ourselves with the wonderful bread of life, the meal of God, fully indulge ourselves in the food of the promises of God, Peter says, we are actually find ourselves partaking of the divine nature. It's a supernatural dynamic involved. You can actually feel the promises of God coming into your body and refreshing your body and toxic emotions and negative feelings are just cleansed out. If you've sinned and feel guilty, I'm not saying that it's like it's a payoff, read the Bible, you know, okay, I'm going to go ahead and sin and then just read the Bible for an hour and just get cleansed. That's not what we're talking about here. But I'm telling you that the Holy Bible has a way of just resetting us in our deepest spirit and in our emotions. Something about those promises that become rhema fresh words for us. And I also want to point out that often as we, in the teaching about um, Rhema versus Logos, you know, the Logos being the written word, the Rhema being the fresh word. It's really, it's really sometimes possible for us to slip into the habit of only thinking of the Rhema words as the positive ones. When you know what? Some of the best Rhema words are the directives that are uncomfortable for us, that challenge us. Like, like, did you not know I must be about my father's business? There's a gentle rebuke in that, isn't there? It's like, as a parent, losing a 12-year-old son for three days, I'm thinking... I know he's God, but he's going to get a whipping when he gets home. (laughs) At least verbally. It's hard for me not to imagine Jesus claimed that, the the apostolic claimed that Jesus never sinned. Well, there was that time when he was 12. (laughs) But I want to remind you about something. I want to ask you a question. Did Jesus... Did, did, Mary and Joseph, did Mary and Joseph know that Jesus was born of God, that God was the Father, that Jesus was a God-man? Did they know that? Did they know that the angels had said that he, and that the angels had spoken to Joseph, that he was going to be the Savior of the whole world? Did they know that, did they know in their deepest spirit from the rhema word that had been given to them years ago that he was going to be kept safe by God the Father no matter what happens? Yes, yes, they knew. But in the exigencies of life, 
as they started to ask around, where did, have you guys seen Jesus anywhere? No. And the sort of the crowd anxiety, Mary and Joseph have, have lost Jesus. They buy into it. Mary might even be feeling, Joseph, I told you to watch him. <laughs> and Joseph thinking, I, I have a hard time enough with relating to God the Father in my own life, let alone try to chase around God the Son <laughs> all over the place as a 12-year-old. So there might have been some stress and some tension there going on. I, I, I don't think it, it's a too much of a stretch to think that might have happened. But in all that, I want you to know that Jesus Christ knew that that could have been the impact on, on, on his mom and his stepdad. Will you agree? Why did he go ahead and do it anyway? Because as God the Son, he wanted to give a ram of word to them that you do not listen to the emotional lies that can come in life, in this case, our son is in danger, the pressure from other people that you should worry and fret, the stuff of life that would challenge what you know to be true in God, Jesus, even as a 12-year-old, knows that, and he wants to give mom and stepdad Joseph a rhema word that says, that says, I must be about my father's business and you need to trust that. And it is in the midst of some of the greatest stresses and greatest pressures and greatest difficulties, greatest disappointments, greatest rejections, greatest, greatest personal need to forgive, including forgiving ourselves. It is in those moments that if we will not be like the children of Israel in the desert when they face pressure, just yield to the pressure and stress. But if in those moments we hear, we choose to turn to our spirits and turn to God and say, God, give me a scripture, give me a word, give me, give me something, to an anchor point to get me through this. Give me wisdom to handle this. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, then gentle, and easily entreated, the word says. My sheep hear my voice. We can hear him. We can hear him. In the midst of that, if we rise to the occasion and recognize the rhema word of God comes through the, the promises, but also through the directives at times, although our spirit, our spirit, our, spirit, our, soul, our, our soul can be chagrined by it, annoyed by it, if we will humble ourselves and submit to it, we will find life hitting us hard, eternal life hitting us hard with great blessing in the moment, in the moment. I'm so happy my preaching is having an effect this morning. I'm, I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to you folks at home. I'm preaching to us here. This is, this is revolutionary stuff. This is good stuff. As you listen to the word preached, 
as you listen to God preaching, as you listen to the Bible or read the Bible, I hope that you don't have too expensive a Bible, so expensive a Bible that you can't write in it or underline. If your Bible is too cool and too expensive to underline and write in, I want you to throw it away and buy a cheaper one. (laughs) Or if you listen, if something jumps out at you, a rhema word becomes alive to you, write it down. I started doing that. I've mentioned this before to you some years ago. Started writing down what I call kingdom delights. I have, my list grew to 80. I'm trying to stop at 80. But, um, and I, I put uh, them out on the lobby area, and I'll have them out there for the next few weeks in case. Not, not to say, hey, you should read mine, but that as a sort of a thought starter for what you might, how you might put it in your own words. But in my praise to God, in my personal prayer time, I not only praise and thank God for the circumstances that he's brought in my life that I feel grateful for, but I always pray, take, take the time to praise and thank God for the rhema revelation, the fresh revelation, the beauty of the divine promises that I treasure like Mary did and own and feed on. And I never get tired of them, nor will you. I want to, I want to give you an example of, of my 80 number be glad I'm not going to do all this for all 80 right now. But I do, I, when I pray, I, I, I uh, usually do 10 at a time. But I'm going to do three with you right now. Here's number 11, 12, and 13. We have that. Here's my prayer. God, I praise you. I have full access to the heavenly glory realm through the blood of Jesus. I praise you that right now I'm in the holiest of holies. I praise you, O oh God, that you paid such a big price to get me here. I praise you, God, that I am holy and blameless in your sight. I praise you, God, that we're here in the intimate communion in the holiest of holies in the presence of your glory. I'm seated with you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus right now. Number 12. I praise you, God, that I have ever-prevailing Jesus, resurrection Jesus life. It's happening in me. It's ever-prevailing. It's unstoppable, irresistible because of your grace. You stir me with desire, God. There's ever-prevailing resurrection Jesus life in me, in my family. If I don't see it in one of my family members right now, I know it's like the tide coming in. It's, they, they won't be able to stop it. They might put up a little sandcastle wall, but the tide's coming in and there's nothing they're going to be able to do because of your grace. I praise you, God, for my church family. I praise you that you're at work. You who have begun a good work within them will continue it until the day of Christ. And the overwhelming grace is not just a gracious God, but gracious energy that flows from your throne to them stirring them with desire and blessing, joy, unspeakable and full of glory, peace that passes understanding. God, you're so, happy. you're so good to my church family. I praise you, God, that Medford won't be able to resist 
your grace, the glory of the whole, the glory of the Lord will cover the whole earth as the water covers the sea and hit Medford too, and Phoenix and Talon, all the cities of Southern Oregon. And I praise you, God, for the ultimate victory in, in the whole world. That I don't have to retreat to a fortress mentality and just hold on till the rapture comes. But I am called in the name of Jesus along with his great army to occupy till he comes. To advance his kingdom. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given me, Jesus said. Therefore you go in my authority to expand the kingdom and bless people everywhere you can, everywhere you go. Many of you own businesses, your kingdom business people. And I'm so proud of the kingdom business people in this fellowship because part and parcel of what you do is kingdom business people. It's not just to make money for yourself, but to make money to expand the kingdom of God, to employ people that you can influence for God, to, to work ethically and, um, and with good conscience into our city. I have never been so proud of our kingdom business people as I am in these, in these days. That's all for today. Stand up. You can't even see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. I'm going to give you a chance to be born again if you're not today. Your spirit's dead. God wants it to come alive. Would you close your eyes for the sake of those people that may respond today? I will misunderstand if your eyes are open. I want you to only look up at me. If you are, find yourself responding to Jesus today and saying, I want you to be my shepherd. I want to be your sheep forever. I, I am responding to you to be saved today. I'm not going to call you up. I just want to you, give you an opportunity to say yes to him. Would you look up and catch my eye? I'm looking at the right section. If I miss your eyes, just wave at me. Is there anybody in my, my far right section? Are you doing that? One? Okay. One person so far. Middle right section. Anybody? Are you doing that? Yeah. Two so far today. Wave at me if I missed you. Anybody else? My left middle section. Two so far. Anybody else? Look up and catch my eye. You're saying yes to Jesus. You're saying I'm responding to Jesus and I'm asking him to cause me to be born again today. Anybody in my left middle section? Wave at me if I missed you. Far left section. Jesus, or the Apostle Paul writes, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you shall be saved. So that's a very simple thing to do. You two people that are saying yes to Jesus today and are 
that your spirit is being reborn. You're regenerated. The miracle of the new birth is happening at, for you at this very moment. In this confession, it will happen. We're going to all say it together to help you. Make it easier for you to say it. Everybody say this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that God raised you from the dead. I confess you as my Lord. Amen. That simple. Your job is to go public with your faith. You two people that responded today, I want to appeal to you to tell someone before you leave this building that you got to, you got to start with Jesus today. You prayed that prayer and got born again today. They will help disciple you into an ever-increasing experience of supernatural joy and peace in your life journey. And they'll help you to know about going public with a water baptism as well, which is an important thing to do. Right after the service today, we have a pastoral care team that will be up here ministering ministering healing prayers for you. Then in about 10 minutes from now, Marty's team will be ministering personal prophetic words and that'll be over in this area for anybody that likes to stay after. So read the Bible, okay? Write down the good stuff. Praise God for it in your life. Release eternal life to yourself that way. Joy, peace, all kinds of rich, rich, good food. Go do that, okay? God bless you. Thanks for being with us today.